Hello and welcome to Helios Blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. Today, Jordan Peterson describes how to get over your ex. Let's get into it. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. So let's say you're in a long-term intimate relationship and you get betrayed. Okay, so what is it that you see when you see your partner at the moment you know of the betrayal? Well, you see the pre-cosmogonic chaos, and here's why. Well, it rattles your unconscious up because you don't know anything anymore. You don't know what the past was, right? You don't know what it was. And it's supposed to be real, and all of a sudden you don't know what it was. And so you come up with wild ideas about what it might have been. So what he's describing is you get betrayed, but you thought that, you know, the world worked a certain way, but it turns out it actually worked a different way. And so your brain is all scrambled trying to figure out what's going on. And what it represented, and then you don't know what the future is going to be anymore. So then your fantasy fills that space, and you don't know who the hell you're looking at. That's for sure. And you don't know much about human beings and you certainly don't know anything about yourself. Right. Because if you did, then you would have been able to predict this outcome and you wouldn't have been blindsided by the betrayal. Um, but here's the truth, guys. Uh, what you need to do is you need to get into the habit of stoically thinking about the end of your relationship. And I know it sounds terrible, but ultimately... Here is the truth. If you don't think about your, your relationship ending and what the end game could look like, if you don't think about it, then it has a much greater likelihood of blindsiding you, right? Because you aren't thinking that, that, that bad stuff could happen, right? So you need to prepare yourself for the worst so that in the event it does happen, you're already pre-prepared. So you need to think about what would happen should this happen? Let's say my relationship would end tomorrow. What would my plan be? What would I do? How would I react? What would I think? And you need to intelligently strategize from there. And that will prevent this kind of explosion happening to you and to your life. And of course, a lot of men, what happens is it happens once to them and then they learn, right? But that's what I'm saying. Um, it's a good way to arm yourself. And so all of a sudden, not only is everything in chaos inside your mind, but everything is in chaos in your world. Right. And it actually is, and there's no telling the difference between those two things. You know, and so then you're just sh shattered. And so then you go talk to a therapist for like two years and you think, what happened? What was the reality? And the reality is, because who knows what the reality was like, but as far as you're concerned, the reality is I better represent this properly in my head. I better figure out who I was, who that person was, what we did together and what it meant because I do not want this to happen again. Right. And then you go on, uh, th these girls, right, in 2023, they, they sleep with 50 chads and they wonder like, like what, what am I getting wrong? Well, perhaps you've never self analyzed to be able to resolve the situation, right? You just keep going from chat to chat to chat and you don't understand that 
that leads to bad results. Okay. Shilling time. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit all for notifications. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, and Tom M. Just click more underneath the video. Go to my Patreon and subscribe, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Buy my books at bit.ly slash Helios books. Thank you. Shilling is done. Let's continue. And so you're healed when you get to the point where you've grasped the bloody moral of the story. What went wrong? Right. And how can I not have that happen again? So here is the most common situation, okay, for, for men when this happens. Here is the most common. Just so you can pre-prepare yourself, okay? So as I've said, women are hypergamous, right? They want men that are superior to themselves. And so what happens is they only see those men. And this is especially true when they're at their biological prime, 18 to 23. And so what happens is they go and sleep with one, one such man. And the man doesn't commit to them. So they go sleep with another one. Then that man doesn't commit. And they sleep with another one and another one and another one. After about 50 of these, okay, maybe 50 is an exaggeration, but you understand my drift. They get to 35 plus. They've, they've slept with 50 chats. And then suddenly they see, ah, well, my time's running out. I need to consolidate on my hypergamy. I need to have children. I need to uh, fulfill my biological imperative. And so they get together with Beta Billy. And very often it's a guy who's wanted to be with her the whole time while she's been sleeping with, uh, with these chads. And she's kept him on the back burner. And then she marries him. She has kids with him. But the whole time she's thinking about the chads, right? And uh, after a few years, she gets bored of Beta Billy because she was always bored of him. He was never a person in her eyes. He was just a useful idiot, a placeholder. So she divorces him, takes his money, takes, takes the children. And goes back to sleeping with Chad. And so a lot of guys, they get blindsided because they don't understand. How could my wife have possibly ha- have possibly left me? How could she have possibly left me? Destroyed the lives, my life, destroyed my children's life. How could she possibly have done it? Well, the truth is, the guy was never a person to her, right? And it's a sad reality that most men never learn, right? That they're just useful idiots to these girls. And until, uh, like, the average man learns that this is what girls do, not all of them, but a lot of them, in 2023, especially in the West, things won't change. Because that's the purpose of learning, right? That's the purpose of memory. It's to prepare you for the future. And so you have to pull out of that massive chaos a functional representation that increases your wisdom so that you're not this naive target the next time you enter into a relationship. So at least you can have another relationship without being so traumatized that, you know, you're done. Right, and then these girls who have been multi-traumatized, multi-time alpha widows, they want to get into stable, successful relationships. Well, you're not going to do it, right? Because you shouldn't have ever done that in the first place. It's like girls doing illicit substances. Like, obviously something bad is going to happen to you if you do that, without a doubt, right? You can't just do that and get away scot-free. And that's the point. Okay, let's continue. And you know, it can take people years to talk that through because this landscape of potential opens up when, when they're betrayed. It's like, well, anything could have been the truth. Well, you to sort through that, you have to wander through all that mess 
and it's really painful and, and emotional as well. You have to sort through all that mess to come out with the new you. Indeed. Right? The renewed you. And so, and that's what you are. You're, for whatever that means, you're an entity that both is and is transforming. And there, there's a rule. He, he meant to say was and is transforming. Well, that goes along with that, by the way, which is don't sacrifice who you could be for who you are. Indeed. Don't sacrifice your future for the present. Uh, another adage is a fool and his money are soon parted. Or I suppose we could extend it to a fool and his sanity. A fool and his sanity are soon parted. Right? Like, uh, you can't sacrifice 40 years for, you know, a week or a year. But that's what a lot of these girls do in 2023. They sleep with Chad and they don't even realize that they've sacrificed the next 40 years. Because they've been alpha widowed and they'll never be happy again, right? They don't realize it. This guy that didn't give a damn about them, he's just destroyed her. Before fathers and mothers and grandmothers and cousins and brothers and everyone used to tell girls the truth. But in 2023, that's no longer the case. And so you get where we're at right now. Which means if you have to choose to transform in a positive direction or maintain your current position, then it's better to transform in a positive direction. So you might even Indeed. think of that as the core of your being. That's a Piagetian idea. It's a Jungian idea as well. Who are you? You're the thing that transforms who you are. Now, you're also who you are. But on top of that, you're the thing that transforms who you are. Very cool idea. Very cool concept. Um, so you have to think about the present, but also the future in, in the decisions that you make. And that's just how it is, right? Okay, let's continue. And I, I do think that that's, and that's not an arbitrary statement. You know, um, one of the things that modern universities do dreadfully now is convince their students that value structures are relative and that, and that's a, that's a big mistake. It's, there's a lot of things wrong with that idea. And one of the things that's wrong with that idea is that doesn't include what I just mentioned, which is that's a good moral rule is you are the thing that is and you're the thing that becomes. And you should put the thing that becomes at a higher place than the thing that is. That means you also have to allow yourself to shake off those things about you that you might be pathologically attached to. Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> you, have to, you have to shake off being an alpha widow? Well, unfortunately... Uh, it's not it's not that simple uh, perhaps requiring years of therapy or maybe it's impossible to cure um, but what was it uh, moral structures are relative okay I don't quite understand what that means um, like there is no objective right or wrong is is that what he's getting at uh, because I'm inclined to agree that modern that the modernism way of thinking, right, is that nothing is true and everything is permitted. But it isn't actually true that nothing is true and that nothing is important and that um, everything is morally relative, right? That um, every action is equally good and bad. That's absolutely not true. And we can see that, of course, if you're doing actions that harm you in the long term, right? Like sleeping with 20 chads. Uh, of course, that can be interpreted as bad, 
And the reason is because it ruins you for the future. It is the reason you end up as a cat lady. It's the reason you end up as a boxed wine lady. Because you're destroying yourself. Every man you sleep with rips a piece of your soul away. Because a woman has to give her soul to a man to sleep with him. A little piece. Eventually, there's none left. Habits and people, for that matter, ways of thinking, all of those things, you have to allow yourself to shake those off. You can tell, eh? If, if you have a memory that's more than 18 months old, approximately, and when you pull that memory up to mind, if you still have an emotional reaction, that means you haven't fully articulated the memory. You haven't analyzed it causally. You haven't, you haven't freed yourself from its grasp and you're carrying it like a weight. And your brain responds to that, like the more, more weight you're carrying like that, more baggage, let's say, the more of the stress hormone cortisol your brain produces. And cortisol makes you old. Some of the, this work has been done by James Pennebaker at the University of Texas at Austin, because he, he started to pioneer these sorts of writing programs. And he found that if people wrote about uncertain things, past, present, or future, so they could be traumatic things, they could be uncertain things, that their physical health improved. And he, he did a lot of detailed research trying to figure out why that was, and basically came down to the explanation that it was something like a, an uncertainty reduction mechanism at work. Because your brain is always figuring out how well situated are you in the world? How much do you not know compared to how much have you mastered? And you can tell that you've mastered things because when you go somewhere and you act, things turn out the way you want them. That's an indication of mastery. And your brain is sort of keeping track across your whole life of how many places you've been where things haven't worked out compared to how many places you have been where they have worked out. And if all those places in your past where things haven't worked out, you need to map and master. And that, that decreases the existential load on you, but that... Interesting, uh, interesting idea there. Um, so if you, if you um, bring up a memory and it, it, it affects you emotionally, you need to actually analyze that memory to make sure that you've gotten the learning out of it that it needs to, that, that you need to, otherwise it's going to, uh, it's going to hurt you, right? Forever. It's going to be a weight you carry. Um, now, again, in 2023, a lot of these girls, what they're doing is they're sleeping with Chad and they're not thinking about the consequences, right? They, they, you know, they feel all sad. Oh, he slept with me and then he ghosted me. They, they don't think about the consequences. They just jump on the next guy, right? They don't think about, oh, perhaps this bad feeling that I have, like, is due somehow to something that I did, which involves taking accountability and personal responsibility, of course, um, and if you don't do that, if you don't take that accountability, that personal responsibility, if you don't try to work on yourself, well, uh, you're going to have a bad time. That actually decreases your psychophysiological load. It makes you healthier. It wow. makes you less stressed. And so we've put all that together in this self-authoring suite to help people write about their past, to sort it out in a, in a detailed autobiography. It asks you questions about your past. It says, divide your life up into six epochs. And then divide each of those, that might be, say, oh, birth to kindergarten, and then maybe elementary school, and then maybe junior high school, however you want to do it. And then to write about the emotionally significant events in each of those epochs, and then to describe their effects on you, and then to analyze 
how you did in those situations, what you might have done differently, what you might have do differently in the future to straighten out your past. And I, I've done that with my students in my Maps of Meaning class for about the last 10 years, and some people have written 15,000 words. It's not that uncommon for students to write 15,000 words in their autobiography. Well, if you're, if you're thinking about your past, what it means is you haven't analyzed the causal chains. Because you might say, well, why do you remember your past? Well, you might say, well, it's in order to have an objective you know, record of the past. It's like it has nothing to do with that. There's only one reason you remember the past, and that's to be prepared for the future. That's why you remember the past. And so what you're supposed to do is take the past and extract out from it wisdom. And uh, Yeah, well, exactly. What is the purpose of memory? Memory is for learning, right? It's it's to yeah, that's that's actually a very wise thing to say or a very wise idea that out of the past you are supposed to extract wisdom and use that wisdom to help you to to, to make better decisions in the future, right? So you don't suffer the same way you did in the past. No, no, that's, I think that's exactly, exactly correct. Uh, which uh, is funny because if you have trouble remembering things in the past, maybe you've learned what you need to learn from them. It's an interesting idea to, to think about. And wisdom is the ability to avoid stumbling blindly into ditches. And so you think, well... Here's a time in my past I stumbled blindly into this horrible ditch and terrible things happened to me. It's like, okay, you need to take that apart. You need to figure out how was it that, that events conspired with your participation, voluntarily or involuntarily, so that that terrible consequence emerged. You need to know why that happened and how you could react differently in that situation. And as soon as you do that, your brain will leave it alone. It won't obsess you about it anymore because the anxiety-producing parts of your brain are basically trying to tell you where there are obstacles in your environment. It's like, look out, don't go there, don't go there. It's like, well, don't go there, there's fire. Well, maybe you could master the fire, right? Then you're a wielder of fire, you're not just a victim. Indeed. Indeed. All right, uh, let's go to the Reddit post. My girlfriend had a threesome with another couple that we see often. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds bad. Okay. Uh, so. Hey, Reddit. My girlfriend and I have been dating for eight months now. A while back at the beginning of the relationship, she told me that she had a threesome with one of her close friends and a friend's boyfriend. I assumed it happened a while ago, maybe in college, and I would not have to worry about it. She didn't provide any details beyond that something occurred. Recently, a third party revealed the identity of this couple unprompted when they asked me why we were hanging out with the couple in question. I was shocked as I had no idea I already knew the couple, my girlfriend having introduced me to them a long time ago. Not only do I know them, but my girlfriend claims to be very close with them. Indeed. We often have hung out in large groups and even some double dates, even my girlfriend and them alone. I feel a bit foolish, like they all three had a secret that they didn't want me to know. I'm not super comfortable with the fact that they were all hanging out together, but what really bothers me is that I've spent lots of time with them and my girlfriend never gave me this context. 
How do I bring up this uh, with her and let her know that I feel uncomfortable seeing these people regularly? Since you know the truth, ask her if it was a while ago and if she's still friends with the couple. See if she's honest with you. If she's honest with you, let her know it makes you uncomfortable and take things from there. If there's, if she's dishonest, then there's a reason and it isn't good. Yeah. Uh, and then somebody else says, oh, that's a tough one. Honestly, it seems disrespectful to put you in that situation. Just be straight up with her and tell you no and you're uncomfortable with it. It would be a deal breaker for me, but that's your decision to make. Guys, the level of disrespect that this is, is kind of absurd. Like, she she mentions that she had a threesome and then hangs out with them one-on-one. It's like, oh yeah, I, I, uh, I slept with a guy and uh, yeah, he's my best friend. Yeah. And then she expects you to be okay with it. She's just hiding it, right? Because she knows the guy wouldn't be okay. This is the kind of girl that you don't want to get into a relationship with. Somebody that would do something like this to you. This is a disaster. All right. Another one. My partner, so he's 29, she's 27, thinks it's normal to have the ex-fiance in her and her family's lives. My partner of two years thinks it's normal to have their ex-fiance in their life and family's life. I'm wondering if I can get a general concession, uh, consensus on this, uh, if this is normal, and general advice on what to do. Uh, she and I have been dating for two years. I've, no, uh, I've made it known early on that it makes me uncomfortable and I don't want them in my life. She thought it would fade in time. It is not. He messaged her the other day on my birthday trip about the cat they shared. Nickname and all. And has a close relationship with their family and her father. He was in a house... Uh, she hasn't moved out. He also gave her parents a painting of the cat for Christmas from a painting that his ex-girlfriend painted for them. I'm not uncomfortable with any of this, but she says it's normal and stipulated that a therapist says it's normal. They dated for four plus years. I'm at a loss and want to know if this is normal. I also have driven it home that I'm not comfortable with this. It has led to huge arguments. Any help is appreciated. It's not normal. It's disrespectful. It's intrusive. It's And it's uh, a sign of being an alpha widow. Not being able to move on. She wants the guy in her life because he's the backup. Should this guy fail in any way, she's going to go back to the ex. Very bad. I think you probably see, based on the responses here, that not everyone views these things similarly. You cannot control her, nor your parents, nor her parents. You shouldn't even try to do so. However, you can control yourself and what you feel is right. If you don't like the situation and don't agree with it, then break up. If it were me, I'd want to know what led to their breakup and how she feels about him now. If I sense that she still has some feelings for him, I would exit the relationship. I would also want to know if he's truly moved on. Is he dating anyone or is he still hopeful that he and your girlfriend will get back together? I don't see how this can be right in anyone's mind, replies somebody. Listen, she's telling you and showing you that this is normal for her and she'll continue to do it. Now it's up to you to figure out if this is what you want and if this is something you want to deal with. You can't force her to cut it off. Uh, she needs to, to want to do that on her own. But know this, uh, this will be your life. If you're okay with that, then stay. If not, then leave. It's been two years and she hasn't and isn't going to change. I don't know what's normal for other people. Some people get along famously with their exes. Not all, but some do and, and remain friends for life. Again, not all of them, but being close is normal. For you, it's been two years, and your girlfriend or partner probably assumes that since you're staying put, despite your irritation, you're really fine with the whole arrangement. When I met my now husband, he was super close with his ex. They lived together, and he's engaged. she's also engaged to another guy. 
They were together at least six to seven years before they broke up. At first, I was totally fine with the arrangement, and they were fine, and I was friends with all of them. Everything was good at first. But then after things got more comfortable, things started happening. The ex started to meddle in our relationships, and things got heated. She also loved to lord to me that I was a newcomer in this circle every time she thought I was not following what she wanted to happen. So what I did was, I told uh, my then partner I would just walk away, and I had every intention. I didn't plan on staying around in a circle where I would feel like I was the outsider. I was not about changing the circle dynamic. I knew that I couldn't, and the only thing I could change was myself. So I took myself out of that equation. So my advice for you is to take yourself out of the equation. You can't force her to change her mind or dynamic. You're uncomfortable and unhappy. Take yourself out of that. When I left, my now husband chose me over his ex. So that's called an ultimatum. You must agree because you've stayed for two years instead of noping out of the relationship as soon as you discovered it. You don't need to debate anything. You know it's not right. Get out. Why do you need two years to figure it out? Her therapist thinks it's normal that her ex still lives with her parents years after the breakup? No, it's really not. The better question is why you continue to stay in a relationship that comes with a lot of baggage you don't like. Seems like you might be close to the family, not specifically your girlfriend. That's what I'm getting reading this. Can't really tell though. If he is close to the family, that's not uh, that's not her staying in touch with the ex. It's more like she happened to date a family friend. Not something to worry about if that's the case. As someone who dated a guy for a decade, which may matter because it was longer, it's not just you they make a relationship with. My ex and I didn't get along at all. It's been seven years and we're both in new relationships. He still talks to my father on a regular basis and I've spoken to his parents. We've sent pictures of the dog back and forth and one or the other had him. It's not a big deal and this is making it super weird. Yeah, no. It is super weird. You shouldn't be having this contact. Okay. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are assuming they broke up because someone was awful. But the reality is tons of people break up for legitimate reasons that are not related to toxicity. Sometimes you find that you're not physically attracted to the person you're engaged to. Sometimes you find that while you're very good friends, you don't inspire growth. Sometimes you don't want to have children with that person for whatever reason. Does it mean that the person isn't a friend? Yeah, you don't stay friends with your exes. That's one of the relationship rules. It's very normal for an ex to have a relationship with a family, especially if they've been together a long time. The family is not obligated uh, to cease contact with him. Yeah, BS. Okay, anyway, we're going to end the video there. Hit the sub, hit all for notifications, drop me a donation like Hunter Ram, Adrian R, and Tom M. Shout out to them. Link is in the description, just click more. Buy my books at bit.ly slash heliosbooks. Go to my Patreon and subscribe, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Thank you so much for listening, guys, especially if you listen to the end. I really do appreciate it. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.